You're listening to the Leaders of the Future podcast, where we believe the leaders of the future are the students of today. My name's Joel Bagnell from Lift Leaders, and today I'm without my usual sidekick, Julian Clark from The 19 Project, but I've got an exciting opportunity to interview a great young leader in Denmark in the area of society and politics. Her name is Isabella Arndt, and I hope you get as inspired from this conversation as I did. Enjoy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Leaders of the Future podcast. My name is Joel, and I'm from a ministry called Lift Leaders. And today, like I said, is a little bit different. I am sitting here with uh, a special guest uh, in Denmark, from Denmark, and probably known to quite a few young leaders or aspiring young leaders in Denmark. I'm sitting with Isabella Arndt. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah, you actually did. Woo, come on. Yeah. First box ticked. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm sure I'm sure many will know, but for those who don't know, Isabella is the leader of the Christian Democrats Party yeah. in Denmark, and um, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment. But the the reason why uh, I'm excited to have Isabella on the podcast is because um, she is a, I guess you would say, a young leader, yeah. and uh, in the age of your Joe Bidens and Nancy Pelosi's and <laughs> All of these people who are really I, heading towards a century year old, uh, a century year old. Wow, that doesn't even make sense. No. A cent- yeah. Anyway, a hundred years old. Let's say yeah. that. Um, yeah. To have someone around twenty-eight heading into national politics. Yeah. That's really really cool, and um, we'll hear more about that. But uh, is is there anything else people should know about you before we dive into the questions, Isabella? Um, well, I'm 27 and... Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that's important, actually. I don't, I don't know. I mean, age is a weird thing, especially in politics. As you said, a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues are a lot older than me. And uh, I've never thought about it. So I've just... Well, yeah, sometimes when people... Some, like, five or six years ago, I would come out and do a speech and everyone would be... Now it's a podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing. But kind of leaning back in your seat arms crossed thinking, okay, so what is this young girl going to tell me about anything? So the skepticism is um, is less now. That helps. That's good. Yeah, I don't know what people should should know otherwise. I mean, I'm easy to find online. So if they have questions, they can just write to me. Sure. Well, one very important thing to mention is that you're, uh, you're very much into American football. Yeah. That, yeah. Came, that came as a surprise to me, to be honest. Yeah, but I think it does. It, uh, it is fun. I root for the New York Giants and they tend to lose. So that's not fun, but um, it's kind. It's really frustrating to watch. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I followed that for I don't know, ten, twelve years or something. Yeah, I I, I get it. I uh, I'm a I'm a fan of a football club which doesn't have a great track record of winning at the moment. So you're in good company here. Yeah, which is good. We can suffer together. At that's least. right. But one day with the promise <laughs> yeah. that Arsenal Football Club and the New York Giants will return to greatness again. Yeah. So. Make the Giants great again. <laughs> we, uh, we're underway with the uh, political joke. It's good. Well, anyway, I'll dive into some questions. Yeah. Just so um, yeah, we can uh, enjoy this time together and 
we obviously, with a podcast by the name of the Leaders of the Future and with running a ministry like Lift Leaders, I'm so passionate about inspiring and empowering young leaders mm. to grab a hold of their purpose and lead well in their worlds. And uh, my, my first question for you is, and I, and, and I have to preface this with my limited knowledge of Danish politics. Yeah. Uh, I struggle enough understanding Australian politics as it is. But um, in, in 2019, um, you were kind of last minute, well, it seemed, looked last minute. It was thr- last minute. Thrown into the, the limelight. Uh, all of a sudden, you're on national TV and in political debates and um, in a way kind of taking over the leadership, the whole political party in that sense. Was this something that you were prepared for or did it completely catch you by surprise? Uh, it caught me by surprise. I had 45 minutes between a phone call stating our former leader was uh, ill and going live on national TV. I've been on TV before. I've been in lots of debates before. So, um, so I mean, this specific election campaign, this specific um, being the party leader all of a sudden was uh, weird, fun, but weird, very, very difficult. Um, I mean, I, I can't recommend entering a leader job like that. That's, that sucks. But, um, but I mean, it was prepared in the regard that not this specific day was prepared. It was on my birthday. It was the weirdest day I've ever had. And, but I mean, I was the, um, the vice president of the party at the time and had been so for two years. I ran for a national election three times, including the one last year. So, I mean, I, I was a, the vice president, I was next in line. So I knew some place back in my head, if anything happened to Stig Renault, uh, the former leader, then I would be the one to pick it up. But I just didn't imagine anything would happen to him. I didn't imagine he would get sick. You never imagine anyone gets, no, uh, gets sick. Right. So, so, I mean, in this way, I had the training. I knew all of our policies and everything I've been part of the group writing most of them and I've been in the party for more than 10 years I've been in politics for more than 12 years so yeah the date and the time and the way it started was a huge surprise being you know a political figure wasn't that seemed I mean it was fun it was exhausting but fun well I think the thing that caught everybody's attention was is how well you seized the moment and you um me being a, a Danish second speaker, <laughs> and I, I understand most Danish, um, but it really seemed like you were articulate and you were really speaking so well into social issues. Obviously, that was a 10 or 12 year preparation yeah. process, Yeah. but uh, that really would have stretched your confidence. You would have had to really uh, dig deep and find some... No, um, I mean, I had 45 minutes. I didn't have time to panic. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's actually... Uh, this In this Maybe specific moment... Yeah, I think so. Because I had 45 minutes. So I had some coffee. I found a place... That's important. For, which is important. Can, also, we, can we pause there and acknowledge the importance of coffee? Well, especially this <laughs> evening. And, and please don't judge me, guys. But I had some wine for dinner. Again, it was my birthday. I turned 26. I didn't expect to go to work this evening. So the first thing I did was panic. The second thing I did was buy the biggest coffee 7-Eleven could offer in order to, to get, you know, energy levels up and, and drunkenness down. Um, <laughs> I had to figure out where to put my suitcase. I called my mom for some reason. Didn't help at all. She panicked. Uh, I ha- hung up on her. Then I had to go to makeup and into the studio. I had to figure out who else was there. Um, and then I had to figure out what are we going to 
you know, talk about. So, so what are the issues we are debating today? And it was pensions and something with health and something with climate. And, and then you were live. So I didn't have time to doubt myself. I didn't have time to think, if, am I good enough for this? I didn't have time to wonder what the prime minister was going to say or what anyone was going to say. I just said hello and we went live and I had a question. So, and I mean, the questions were, they were not hard. It's not difficult questions. If you know what you believe in as mm. a politician, yeah. none of the questions are difficult mm. because all of them will start with, what do you think about something 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 yeah. and if you know what you you know what your party works for yeah. then that's not a difficult question yeah. it's just to answer what do you think about this yeah. and then you answer what do you think about it so it's yeah. not like going to an exam where you have to remember a bunch of numbers or years or something like that um yeah so so i didn't really have time to freak out and once it was over everyone thought i did great which boosts my self-esteem and then mm. the rest you know, it was fun because I, I knew based on just this one sample that at least I could do it unprepared. So if I can do it unprepared, I can probably do it prepared too. Yeah. Well, it kind of, in a way that answers uh, yes to both to both of those questions. And it sounds like it really caught you by surprise, uh, which is awesome. But maybe the, the lesson in that for, for young leaders is even if you're frustrated uh, that an opportunity is not coming your way or even if you're not sure why you're doing these things or persisting with a university degree, all of these things, uh, well, to, to throw a Christian scripture in there, the Bible says, be ready in and out of season. And that's that's uh, an encouragement because yeah. you never know when and you ne really a moment's never going to pop up. And every day is preparation. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to just, one more thing about that because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the party leader at the time. I was mm. acting party leader because we have elections for party leaders in October. Uh, and this was May. So after the election campaign, my party, of course, asked me, so are you going to run? Now you've been acting party leader for a month. Are you going to stick with it or what? And in my mind, as the vice president of the party, I've always thought that I was going to lead the party, you know, someday. But at the age of 30 or 30 something with two children and a degree, so I didn't think I had to drop out of university, which I had to. I didn't think it would be... I'd been married for half a year at this time. Wow. We hadn't gone to our honeymoon yet because election. <laughs> and so, so it just didn't at all fit into the plans I've, you know, thought about or um, figured that this is how you become a party leader or this is what my future is going to look like. But sometimes you get opportunities like, do you want to be a party leader or do you want to seize this opportunity? It's not a yes, no, maybe. It's a yes, no question. And if you say yes, you're going to do it full time. If you say no, they're not going to ask again. Mm. So you can't expect opportunities to come back around whenever it fits you. Wow. So I had to make a choice. Yes or no. It's a yes, I'm going to do it. Or it's a no, I'm never going to do it. Those were the choices you probably have. Because you, if you say no to a part of leadership, someone else will say yes. Mm. And they will lead for five or ten years. Mm. So, so I had to figure out, of course, together with my husband, are we going to do this? Because the window is now and not in five years where I hoped or thought it would be. Mm. Um, and then I said yes and say, well, and, and he also said to me, well, this is what you want to do. Of course, we hoped it would be after two kids and a degree. It wasn't, but you don't get to decide when your moment's going to come. You get to decide whether or not you seize it. Wow. There's so much, so much in that. Uh, we probably could 
almost do a whole podcast on those <laughs> topics alone. Preparation, uh, being being ready, but also seizing an opportunity where it comes. That's yeah. That's awesome. That's that's a lot of good stuff in that. Um, but my my next question is: mm-hmm. You've been involved in politics from a fairly young age. What yeah. what was it that what was it really that made you want to make a difference in society? Do you remember when you first felt that way? Um, yeah, I I have been what 14 15 years old something like that and i don't know if it was the first time but um i started to uh, read a lot about climate change as to most you know young people and i just thought why don't every i mean why don't the grown-ups fix this why don't they do anything about it um and i grew up in a family where my father especially he was uh, always telling us to do, to take our own responsibility, to do whatever we can to make the world a better place. And um, yeah, I started thinking about this and then I think he was the one who said to me, well, then maybe you should do something about it. And then I had to figure out, you know, how, because you can become an activist or you can become a politician. Um, and I decided I thought the political way was uh, more fun because they are the one in power, <laughs> the activist sh- you know, paint a sign, which is quite important, and make demonstrations and and shed some light on some important topic. But at the end of the day, they're not in the negotiation room. So, and then I started figuring out what, okay, so I wanted a political party, which one? My f- parents wouldn't tell me what they voted. So they had to, they said, no, we're not going to tell you that. But you have to figure out, what do you think? And then I asked, I think, a million questions. And followed the campaign of 07 and national elections in Denmark at the time and, and started just to show some interest for uh, political campaigns and how to make a difference. Of course, you don't change the world necessarily at the age of 14, but but you can start. And and also you have to you know learn a lot of things. Ten years ago, I said a lot of stupid things. <laughs> so, um, no, but I mean, I was a teenager and, and with every other teenager, you're very... Um, yeah, you're very engaged in what you're doing, but your world is also a little black and white. I think most people who've met teenagers will agree with this. Yeah, I was a youth um, pastor for 10 years. And, yeah, uh, and they're very passionate. They're very passionate and they really, really believe in what they're doing. And that's the fire that's going to burn for the rest of your life. You have to believe. And they're a little arrogant and they think they can conquer the world. And that's that's the amount of ego, which is, it's a good thing. You have to believe you can make a difference. Otherwise, you definitely won't. Yeah, it's definitely something but, to harness. Yeah. Uh, but you have to, it's like turning on a huge fire, going everywhere and you have to to make sure to control it a little you have to learn you have to figure out that the world isn't black and white it never is um and there's always nuances there's always different opinions um and then you have to know a lot of things you have to read a lot of things you have to simply get smarter and Mm. and study and figure out okay if i want to change the world or i want to fight climate change or whatever you want to do god what's happening how do you make fuel what's the the economics what the social uh, sustainability what about the economic sustainability what will happen if we do this and this and this so but it's a good place to start and i think you have to start with a lot of fire a lot of passion a lot of ego this teenage i'm the center of the universe and i can do a huge difference is the right attitude to begin with yeah definitely yeah because I, I i say it all the time and and me currently leading a few different areas of ministry and teams it's uh how do i say this in the right way it kind of takes people by surprise when i 
encourage the right kind of conflict or I'm, I'm not really, I don't really make people apologize for being frustrated or angry no. about things because I, I always say it's far easier to lead people who have passion yeah. and fire than those who The just worst could not thing care. you can have is people who don't care. Yeah, I mean, totally. if they don't care, you can't move them anywhere. Yeah. And I think if, if, you know, a good advice to some young leaders and maybe especially young Christian leaders where we've always taught, um, I grew up in Christian uh, uh, communities as well, and you're always taught, you know, humility and you have to serve and you have to always, this, and this is true, you have to be humble to some extent. Yes. But if you're going to succeed in a political world, you have to believe you have the best answer. When I go out in a campaign against 12 other party leaders, if I don't believe I'm the best answer out of the 12 or out of the 13, I should just go home. Yeah, totally. The same if you're, I don't know, a football player or you're doing athletics or sports or something like that. If you don't believe you can win the Olympics, mm. don't go. Yeah. So you have to have enough ego to say, I am better than mm. anyone else mm. in this room and not perfect, but better. Mm. The same as the Olympics or, yeah. or something elite like that, because otherwise you won't, you won't succeed. And you also kind of need that ego on the bad days, on the days where everything crumbles, when you lose elections or, or when you don't get the opportunity you fought for or things go wrong or people write your hate mails or something like that. You have to have enough ego to throw it away and say, I'm better than that. Um, and I think there's a balance uh, somewhere where you, some humility good yeah um but you you need to have enough um passion or ego or arrogance or call it what you mm. want to survive in a world where power is a huge thing totally well there's i guess you could say uh, there's a fine line between great confidence and arrogance yeah or you've probably heard c.s lewis's definition of humility it's not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. Mm. And I think that's a really good way um, of articulating what healthy humility is. You can, yeah. you can, you can, and, and maybe that's probably uh, a good gear to have for politics. It's like, no, I completely believe in myself, but the mm. reason why I believe in myself is because I want to make a difference for yeah. others. Yeah, and you, want, you have yeah. to believe in the cause. I mean, I don't believe that I'm the answer to everything. No, I believe that the Christian democratic ideologies is the answer to almost everything mm. in politics so it's not and i didn't invent that i'm just the current mm. leader of this movement existed for more than 50 years so um so so it's not you it's not like this uh, i think some politicians maybe have like a savior complex where they <laughs> they kind of think they have to this as a person have to do everything and it's easy to go down the road because in politics everything is surrounding um, is surrounding the, the party leader. So, so much focus is on this one person. We've seen it with all this Me Too um, things also in the past couple of months in Denmark where where everything is like, so if the party leader screws up, then uh, the party loses um, yeah, the votes. Party and, or, but but that's yeah. just not fair because, you know, you can have an idiot in the in the head of your party, but the values of the parties can still be good. So you have to believe in the cause in politics. I don't believe I'm the answer to anything, but I believe my party could be. And then I just have to do the best I can to represent the values I believe in. And yeah. I think that's that's some of the balance between humility and confidence that you have to believe in the cause rather than yourself. Because the cause will the cause doesn't have bad days and good days. Mm. 
and you have. I mean, yeah. I have days where I love my job and I have days where I hate it. I have days where I feel confident and, and able to conquer the world on a huge dragon or something like that. And I have on days... On a huge dragon? Yeah, I like Game <laughs> of Thrones. Um, <laughs> That's and, so and, and I mean, yeah, I have, of course I have days where I feel like that. But I also have days where I just want to give up. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you rely on yourself and your emotions on the current day, that's just too fragile. You have to believe in the cause to be right and true and then fight for it no matter your mood. Mm. Well, what you've actually just successfully done, Isabella, is you've answered the next two questions that I was, <laughs> that I was going to ask you. So thanks for that. Um, okay, I'll have to make up a new one on the spot right now. But um, uh, who, who are some of your greatest heroes just not not necessarily only in politics, no, but just in life in general. Who does Isabella look up to? Um, well, uh, my grandmother. She died in the spring, but she uh, she was a huge role model. Uh, she was always honest. She was always uh, well. She she just did the right things all the time. It seems. I'm sure she had bad days too. I just didn't notice any of them. Mm. Um, yeah, she was pretty cool. And she talked all the time, <laughs> and and I could relate to that. So, uh, I don't I don't see any resemblance there. Is it? <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Uh, no, I I don't know. I don't really have because I've had this question some sometimes. Um, I don't You're think welcome. I have. Uh, I don't think I have you know role models as in one person. I just, um, I mean, I like how Obama in two thousand and eight inspired hope, but I don't necessarily consider him. A role model all the time because mm. he didn't do that well but but i like hope as a role model so i think wow. more i that's very profound <laughs> i i kind of um yeah and i, I read a lot of uh, fictional books i like harry potter and game of thrones and lord of the rings and all of these things because would you, would you define yourself as a nerd yeah definitely okay yeah. fair <laughs> enough uh so so i mean i don't currently i'm reading lord of the rings and I don't necessarily relate to any one of the characters as well as I don't have specific people as role models because people are flawed. I have values, I think, as role models. So I like stories where people are fighting for a better world. Mm. And I find that inspiring, mm. even on bad days. And uh, so I, I seem to collect, especially within the fantasy world, there's a lot of stories about people fighting against all odds for a better world because they believe in something. Uh, I find that a lot of inspiring and you can find that in almost every good book, I think. Um, so, so I don't necessarily have people I look up to because, I mean, everyone's going to make mistakes every yeah, once in a while. Definitely. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Well, la last question for the sake of time. It's been, yeah. it's been really fantastic discussion. Um, but uh, wh what, are your, what are your next dreams? If you could accomplish anything, what would it be? Um, just a, just a small yeah just question to finish no with. I I mean the climate change right now the coronavirus is is like in every news but uh, the climate change is still I believe the biggest problem we're facing right now even though Corona is, is still here and um, I think we have ten to fifteen years to really make a difference beyond that point it's too late and then it's just a matter of of putting out fires so I would love to be one of the main architects into this uh, Denmark is a country where we can actually make a difference not in a global scale because we're big but because we're, we're gonna innovate or make up some of the solutions of the future um, so I would 
love to play a part within the next 10 to 15 years within Danish politics to make up some of the solutions then when I grow old and die like my grandmother did, I will have a grandchild somewhere who can look back to the 2020s and say, I, she made a difference. So I think in politics you have a window. Um, I actually thought a lot about this, but but once I said yes to become the party leader, you can't really advance any further within your own party than the top. So so you kind of start a clock ticking. Say now you have your term to make a difference, to put your name in the history books. Spend it wisely. Um, and I really, really hope that I can make a change in the climate change agenda and be one of the peoples where you look back that said, you know, she fought for the right things and she made a difference, not just fighting for a good cause, but, you know, actually making a difference uh, that'll turn the climate change, all the curves going the wrong way, where we say, well, this, the 2020s, these people broke the curve and not maybe saved the world, but kind of, yeah. <laughs> That's a nice thought, though. Yeah, it's good. Well, we should... We should be aiming to save the world, especially if it's um, not heading in a good trajectory. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Isabella. It was fun. It's been a it's been a blast, and we really appreciate you. I know I know you're you're very busy and have have a lot to do, especially in the arena you're in. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're uh, welcome. Maybe one day we'll see you again. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks so much for listening today. We hope you got some fresh inspiration for your leadership journey. And if you're enjoying the content on the Leaders of the Future podcast, why don't you hit subscribe uh, on whatever platform you're listening to this on to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you want to stay up to date with what's happening with Lift Leaders or The 19 Project, just head to liftleaders.com or the19project.com to stay up to date. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next time.